Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Today is September 25th, 2013. If you listen to my show, what comes up quite often in our conversations is stress and, you know, the topic of stress and how it affects our health. We have a very timely guest today to help and educate us on how to manage stress effectively. Dr. Kathy Gruvier is an award-winning author and soon-to-be host of a national TV show based on her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet. She earned her Ph.D. in natural health and has authored two books on stress. She has studied mind-body medicine at the famed Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Harvard Medical School, and she pursued her further education at the National Institutes of Health. So let's all welcome Kathy to our show. Hi, Kathy. Hi. How are you doing today? It's just a beautiful day. I know you're up in Santa Barbara, and I'm down in Orange County, California. Our weather's kind of ha- kind of similar. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful up here today. It's probably in the high 70s, early 80s, bright and sunny, blue sky. Definitely cannot complain. <laughs> I always like to start our show out with finding out how you ended up on the path that you're on now. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, of all things, I started out as a theater major. And had you told me that I would ever be pursuing healing as a profession, I would have thought you were nuts. Um, but <laughs> even as a young child, <laughs> and I might be nuts, um, but even as a young child, I had this <laughs> inclination to put my hands on people. Um, I would sit behind mm-hmm. my dad uh, on long car trips. I'd rub his neck so he didn't get headaches. I was always reading like biology books and medical books. I thought it was really cool. Um, and my freshman year of college as a theater major, a woman showed up to our theater to work on all the performers. We were doing all these really intense children's theater performances, and she would do body work and herbs and homeopathics. And I sat there watching her every day. I had nothing else to do. And one day she turned oh. to me and she said, oh, Kathy, I've got to go. Um, I've got so many people on the list. Can you take those masks and go in the other room and work on John? And I looked at her and I said, no, I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here watching you. And she looked very (laughs) deeply into my eyes and said, yes, you do. And I went, okay. 
And so I took the math <laughs> in the other room, and I worked on this this fellow student, and I was good at it. And she could see something in me that I didn't even see. Um, and so when I moved to California to pursue the acting career, I, I grew up in Pittsburgh, um, I started studying massage more and more, and then moved up to Santa Barbara, and I studied more massage, and I realized that people were really relying on me as their health practitioner. So I got my master's and PhD, and I got my doctorate as a traditional naturopath, and I study so much about not only Western medicine and the diseases that are affecting us and how I can help, uh, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the stress and the lifestyle medicine. And um, I lost my mom to cancer when I was 18. And so a lot oh, of people sorry. equate that, yeah, that experience with me getting into this field. And, you know, I'm sure on some level it influenced me. It can't not. Um, but watching my father be such an incredible caretaker and seeing the patience and resilience that he showed through that experience of, you know, losing his wife at such a young age. She was 44 when she, she died, um, 46, something like that. Um, you know, it, it, that definitely affects you. So I have a compassion sure. and, a, and a, a drive to help people solve their problems that I think definitely came out of that experience. So, yeah, from theater major to, uh, you know, I'm a practitioner and author, like you said, and the host of the TV show. And um, it, it's been an amazing journey. And I see the connection of the acting and the healing with every radio show I do, every live lecture, now having my own TV show. Um, it, it makes perfect sense to me. And it wouldn't have 20 years ago. You know, I, I never would have thought mm-hmm. this consciously. But, yeah, it's, 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 quite a, it's quite a joy to be able to do what I do. Yeah, because um, both of those complement one another and help you get your message out. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's one of the things that, you know, when I do, I do so many live lectures, and that's one of the things that appeals to people is, you know, I can stand up there and give them really great info, but it's not just blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm funny, and I'm fun, and I'm enthusiastic, <laughs> and, and I make it um, – I want to make the learning an experience. I want people to have fun. That You know, that to me is, is one of the keys yeah. to learning is – it's humor. So if I can make people laugh, mm-hmm. that to me is one of, that's a big win for me. Well, I, I'm so glad we're not going to have a blah, 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 blah time today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do that for you if you want me to. If it'll help the ratings or something, I can just turn that on for you. It'll be very boring and unexciting. Yeah, no, 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 no I can't even, I don't even know that I could fake it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so... So you, you, when you do these lectures and all, you talk a lot about the mind-body medicine connection and how important it is in healing. So let's chat a little bit about that. Yeah. I, to me, it's one of the overlooked things in our healthcare. Um, and frankly, mm-hmm. I mean, the healthcare we have in this country right now is not so much healthcare as it is disease management. Um, there's a lot of complaints about our healthcare system in its current and soon to be um, present state. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, when I go to my doctor, and I, I go once a year, I, I value Western medicine for what it can offer. I think we overuse it. I think it's been um, bastardized to a point where it's doing things it's not supposed to, but I'm so glad we have it. Um, but, you know, I go to my primary care doctor. I fill out this five-page form about, you know, what did my grandmother have and what did my uncle have and, you know, what do I eat and how much do I smoke and does my husband beat me? And But they never ask about, <laughs> they never ask about stress. And I, that to me is one of the first questions that I want to know when someone comes to my office because about 60 to 90% of our doctor's visits are from stress-related illness. I want to know the answer to how stressed are you and what is causing your stress. Because mm-hmm. we're not talking about it. we want a low BMI and we want to eat organic and we want to run or do yoga or da-da-da-da, but we're not looking at the quality of things we're putting in our minds 
We're not looking at our words and our thoughts the same way we're looking at our food and exercise. And I think that's just as, if not more important than those other things. It's an aspect Mm -hmm. of our lives that we have to pay attention to for total health. So many of our illnesses are either exacerbated by stress or caused by stress or aggravated by stress. And if we're causing the stress on some level ourselves with our thoughts and our words, we can control that. So let's fix it. To me, that's the next, that's the next big key to health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you go about fixing it? Well, let's identify the problem first. Uh, that's the big thing. And, you know, and thank God we have that stress response, that fight-or-flight response. I mean, that's allowed us mm-hmm. to survive to this point as a species. You know, we'd be walking through the woods and a bear would jump out. Ah, We'd have this immediate reaction that the heart would race, the blood pressure would raise, the, the breath would quicken, um, you know, blood would move into the large muscles so that we could run or fight. Um, this cascade of hormones, we'd typically empty our, our bladder and bowel and, And when the danger passed or we got to a safe place, we would sleep and all those hormones would go back to normal. And then we'd wake up the next day and hope we didn't run into the same bear. Um, Now the problem is (laughs) our stress is not this dynamic, short-lived occurrence. It's this constant bombardment with things. Maybe it's watching the news. Maybe the kid is failing math. Maybe the other kid's on drugs. The mother-in-law is moving in because she has Alzheimer's. The job's in danger. The house is being foreclosed on. And one day the bacon catches on fire and you run through the streets losing your mind because it's that last drop of stress that you cannot handle anymore. So one of the things we have to realize is we can't control any of that external stuff. We can't control the traffic. We can't control what's happening with the government. We can't control for the for the most part, what's happening to our food and our water and all these environmental concerns we have, we can control our reaction to all that and the thoughts and the words that we choose. And stress is the feeling that demands are going to exceed our resources. It's a threat, mm-hmm. real or real or imagined. And the bear, real threat. The IRS, real, but also how much are we building that up in our minds? And one of the, I just got back, I was at Harvard last week um, studying mindfulness with Thich Nhat Hanh and a whole slew of Buddhist monks. It was one of the most amazing experiences. And one of the sisters said the most profound thing um, in looking forward towards stress. You know, let's say you have a doctor's visit and you're going to get your diagnosis in a week and you're worried you have cancer. And you spend that entire week stressed about it and worried about it and dwelling on it and obsessing over it. Her response to that was, why would you want to suffer twice? She said, at this point, you don't know. In five days, when you know, then you can deal with that information. But up until that point, why do you want to keep making yourself suffer? And I've seen that with people who I've worked with a lot of terminal patients who, Mm -hmm. you know, they know they're going to die soon and they dread every moment of is this the moment I'm going to die rather than living that breath that they have right now and it's been such an amazing Mm -hmm. lesson to help people through that dying process of knowing this is the moment we have whether we're going to die in 10 minutes or 40 years this is the moment we have right now the stress is either behind us or it's ahead of us we don't know let's live this moment be mindful and present in this moment and let's not make ourselves suffer twice that we have control over but what are the techniques for for controlling those thoughts or ridding mm-hmm. ridding your mind yeah. of those thoughts? There's so many, um, and that's why I put so many options in the, the book because it's a buffet to me. Um, some things are going to resonate with people uh, and others aren't. Um, I'm really a big fan of affirmations, big fan of visualizing. Mm-hmm. 
um, mini meditations. You can incorporate mindfulness into any activity you do all day. There are so many amazing choices. And I think probably of those, my favorite is is visualizing. And I do a lot of visualizing for any pain, accidents, illness, things like that. It's something we do all the time anyway. We daydream all the time. Uh, and I think we've all had that experience where you know we're driving in the car and we suddenly come to and we're on the freeway going, Oh crap, where am I? Did I pass my exit? Did I not get there yet? It doesn't look, you know, suddenly you kind of wake up and and realize you've been driving on complete autopilot and your mind is way someplace else. That's visualizing. We all do it, and oftentimes what we're imagining are really negative things. Um, you mm-hmm. know, for some reason for some reason our brain goes there. So if the spouse is late from work, it's not simply, oh, they probably have a meeting or they're stuck in traffic. It's he's dead on the side of the road or he's sleeping with the secretary. <laughs> we we, you know, we take these, <laughs> these extremes. Um, we take these extremes, ra- and that's us creating our own stress. That's us suffering twice, <laughs> you know, um, Mm-hmm. So that we have control over. That's where I like the visualizing. And what's so amazing about our, our brains is it doesn't distinguish between what is actually happening and what we're thinking about and imagining. Mm-hmm. This is why we can get mm-hmm. so sucked into movies and things like that. You know, We're so upset that the main character died. We have those mirror neurons and we have that empathy towards things and our brain feels like we're experiencing it. So if mm-hmm. we're thinking about or dwelling on all these negative things, our brain thinks it's real and it's putting us back in that stress response. It's putting us back in that fight or flight response. Let's think about nice things. Let's think about the the you know your favorite vacation spot. Go to your happy place, as they say on Friends, um, because it does make a difference. And visualizing for illness is one of the most powerful things we can do. So, for instance, someone is um, they were a cancer patient, but they're Mm-hmm. They've been cured, and they have mm-hmm. to go in for their their uh, say quarterly checkups. Mm-hmm. And every time they go, their blood pressure goes through the ceiling. Uh-huh. Um, it's that post traumatic stress. I hear about this all the time. Um, a lot of physicians don't even bother taking blood pressure <laughs> initially. Right. The, yep. Initial yep. part. Yep. So, what would you recommend that they think about? Well, I, I totally get that there's now that sort of rebound fear of, oh, geez, are they going to find something again? Is this going to be mm-hmm. bad news? They're dreading that procedure. Um, if it was the doctor that did the surgery on you, sometimes we have a very unconscious reaction of, he hurt me in some way. So there's an uncomfortableness that you're not even consciously aware of because your body mm-hmm. knows that person cut on you or you give you radiation. Um Again, it's the why suffer twice. You know, uh, you don't know that anything's wrong, so go into it with a neutral attitude of, well, let's just see what's happening. Um, one of the visualizations I really like with that, and, and I, I'll throw in a, a mini meditation here as well because I think that would be really helpful, is uh, the visualization of we can actually change our blood pressure by visualizing. So either visualizing just something calm and soothing decreasing in size so maybe it's you know a sink that's draining and you think about that as your blood pressure and it's going down, 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 down. Or mm-hmm. if you can actually picture the blood pressure cuff. You know, they, it used to be mercury the same way a thermometer was, and you could visualize it you know, slowly lowering on the big, um, the big meter that it, it would read. Um, or just vi- you know, saying something like, um, my blood pressure is low. My blood pressure is mm-hmm. under control. Uh, things like that can help that. And in general... 
anytime I feel a stressful occurrence coming on, if I don't think visualization is appropriate or I don't have time to come up with something that fast, um, mm-hmm. I do a, a mini meditation. I am, I'm not a good meditator. I'm very type A. I'm an anal retentive Capricorn only child, East Coaster. I talk fast. I walk fast. <laughs> don't tell me to sit on a pillow. You know, to me, my favorite meditation is hip hop dancing and flying trapeze. Okay, so sit me on a pillow and say shut up. Not my strong suit. Um, but. <laughs> If I can do these, see, I was a theater major. I can't get rid of it. I can't be boring. Okay. Um, if I can do this, anybody can do this. You you concentrate on your breath uh, because mm-hmm. if everything is going well, we're breathing. Um, the rise and fall of your chest. Thank goodness. Uh, if you find yourself not breathing, with a whole other, the meditations are going to help you. Um, but yeah, concentrate on your breath. Nine one one. Very good. Um, on your inhales, you're going to think I am, and repeat that. And on the mm-hmm. exhales, you think, at peace. So inhale, I am. Exhale, at mm-hmm. peace. And if other thoughts flow through, dismiss them without judgment. You're not wrong. It's not a failure. It's not bad. They just float away like clouds on a summer day. And you return to inhale, I am. Exhale, at peace. And what mm-hmm. that does is that stops that stress response. It reverses it and invokes what Herbert Benson, um, who I studied with, calls the relaxation response. And it lowers your blood pressure. It balances blood sugar. It slows heart rate, respiratory rate. Um, It gets our brain ready for higher functioning. Because we know when we're in that stress response, oh, don't ask me to do Mm -hmm. something cognitive. Don't ask me to write an article. Don't ask me to get on the radio and sound coherent. We're just, our brains don't work as well. Because we don't have to do math when we're running from a bear. We have to survive, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're in this mm-hmm. really strong survival mode. So if we can put ourselves in the relaxation response, we're ready for the higher functioning. I do that before I get on the radio, before I speak, before I write. Um, we have to take advantage of that. Um, so doing the mini meditation as you're walking into the doctor's office or before the test or before the scan, before whatever it is, is going to help you. Um, sometimes we forget to do it. I was sitting in the airport waiting for a yet another flight delay, and I really just wanted to come home. And I texted my husband, and I said, you know that face I make before I freak out? I think I'm making that face. <laughs> and he texted back, do a mini or have some wine, um, I, <laughs> which was two very good pieces of advice. So I went with the mini meditation, and I sat on the floor of the terminal, and I, I am at peace. I can't control the airline. I can't control the delay. I can't control how fast I'm going to get home. I can control my reaction to it. And I have a couple choices. Mm-hmm. I can scream at the woman at the desk and ask her where the heck my flight is and why am I sitting here and I could be cranky to the people around me. Or I can take that moment and use that as a time to be mindful and meditative and calm my body down. And after about mm-hmm. 10, it took me a while, after about 10 minutes of I am at peace, I was to a place where I was only mildly irritated. <laughs> you know, I was still bummed that I wasn't home. It didn't, it didn't make the flight arrive, but my reaction to it was healthier. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the key. We can control those things. Does this tie in with self-talk? Are they yeah. similar in healing? Absolutely. They estimate that we have about 60,000 thoughts a day and that 50,000 of those are negative. Whoa, that's a lot of negative thoughts. Um, Why? And with every, Why is that? With, well, I, there's a couple reasons. Do they know? Uh, there's a couple theories, one of which is our brains for, are constantly forming new connections, 
And those new connections basically kind of um, exponentially grow on each other. I'm not explaining this very eloquently. But so once we start on that negative path, it just grows and grows and grows. So it's really hard to stop that. I mean, I think we've all probably gotten on that roller coaster, that train ride of negative thinking Mm -hmm. where suddenly we do have the spouse dead on the side of the road because we're so worked up. And we know how we feel physically when we get that way. Our heart races, we feel kind of nauseous, we have to go to the bathroom, we start to sweat. We're having that stress response totally made up by ourselves. So the, the negative talk is not only ingrained in us from childhood, if we had a parent or a teacher or someone of um, in a power position that made us feel those things, um, mm-hmm. but also it just sort of grows on itself. It, it grows exponentially. So if you can put a stopper in that pattern and really concentrate on the positive stuff, you'll start to see a switch. It's not an immediate thing, um, and it's really hard to stop thinking things. It's the typical, okay, let's all not think of an elephant, well, of course, now we're all thinking mm-hmm. of an elephant. So that's where I like affirmations because it replaces those thoughts. So rather than thinking, and this is a common one I see all the time, people saying things like, I'm not getting sick. I'm not getting sick. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me sick. I'm, oh, crap, I'm getting sick. And they get very paranoid and involved in you know, the feeling that they're getting sick. If we change mm-hmm. that to, I am healthy and well, my immune system is strong and resilient, we can actually stop those negative thoughts, which our body's reacting to from a stressful position, and we can actually boost our immune system. Um, and, you know, we're approaching, flu, we're pro- approaching flu season again. I'm not a big flu shot fan. Um, I, I just don't like them. Uh, everyone has to make their own decision on that. But instead of doing the flu shot, I do affirmations, <laughs> and I visualize. And last year, oh. unfortunately, my, hus- my husband got the flu, and I'm laying in bed at night with him, and you know he's coughing, and I'm you know seeing all these germs fly around the room, and I'm going, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and I was about to go to Florida to do a really big conference, and my thought in the middle of the night was, oh no, I can't get sick. Oh my God, I can't get sick. I have all this stuff to do, and I'm leaving for Florida. Uh-uh. I am healthy and well. My immune system is strong and resilient. I am healthy and mm-hmm. well. My immune system is strong, and I didn't get sick. I didn't get sick, wow. and I was you know, in bed with a man blowing germs all over me for five <laughs> nights in a very confined room. I didn't get sick. I also dis- I don't believe in the germ theory of disease, which confuses people. I believe in the environment theory of disease, which uh, was not uh, Pasteur, but it was a gentleman named Béchamp who was a, um, around the same time as Pasteur. He believed it was the terrain, not the germ. Because, I mean, let's look at it. If it was the germ we'd all be sick and died by now because we're all constantly being exposed to things. So to me, it's more um, if we have a really polluted, dirty, gunky swamp that's got mosquitoes all over it, do you Mm -hmm. move the mosquitoes or do you clean up the swamp? Mm -hmm. I would rather clean up the swamp and then the mosquitoes wouldn't be there anymore. And to me, our bodies are that swamp. We want a clean, pristine lake and then you're not going to get mosquitoes. Or if they show up, they're going to go, eh, this is not a good place for me, and they're going to keep moving on. So that's that's uh-huh. one of my other reasons I just don't get sick. Um, but, yeah, the affirmations, and, oh, I'll tell you about visualizing, too, if you want to hear that, because that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear it. I started visualizing. I learned when mm-hmm. I was 15. I was in a summer stock mm-hmm. production of Oklahoma, because I was doing the, the acting thing, and I started mm-hmm. to get that tickle that tickle that meant some, I was going to get sick. And I was a 
senior in high school and my mom was sick and I was doing full-time school plus school plays plus this community theater production. I was completely just depleted. My 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 was I was a swamp. I was not a lake. Um and I was doing that sort of <clears throat> you know like holding my throat thing during one of the rehearsals and one of the gentlemen said, "Oh, are you feeling okay?" And I said, no, I'm starting to get a sore throat. My nose is starting to get stuffed up. I said, and we open this week, and I'm, you know, I've got to sing, and I, I can't get sick. And he said, well, do you ever visualize? And I'm thinking, I'm 15. What what do I know about visualizing? And I said, I, I don't think so. And he said, okay, well, do you daydream? And I said, oh, yeah, I, said, I do that all the time. And he said, okay, well, visualizing is just focused daydreaming. I said, okay, cool, I can do that. So he said, when you get home tonight and you're laying in bed to fall asleep, he said, picture a place behind your heart, which I now know to be the thymus gland, which produces you know, T cells for the immune system. He said, picture those rushing to the area where you're having the pain. He said, so picture them rushing up to your throat and encompassing the throat, encompassing the pain, and carrying away anything that's bad that's not supposed to be there. He said, you know those movies where the, the cavalry comes rushing over the hill to save the day? And I said, oh, yeah. He said, okay, that's your immune system. It rushes to the top of the hill, and then it rushes down in your throat, and it battles the enemy, and it's going to take away your sore throat, and you're not going to get sick. And I thought, Okay, well, what do I have to lose? No one needs to know I'm doing that. I'm at home in my own house. Um, I'll try it. What the heck? And so, man, I had a war going on that night. There were cannons and things on horses, and they were rushing to my throat. <laughs> and I created this, you know, like full-blown, you know, IMAX movie of my immune system battling this sore throat. <laughs> and somewhere in the middle of all this, this war, uh, I fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning, and I had no sore throat. And I did not get sick, and I was brilliant in Oklahoma. Um, but it was just so interesting <laughs> to me. And I realize we have the power to do that. And for my mm -hmm. dissertation and also for the book, I, did, I found a lot of research on visualization and what we can do, what power we have. Um, now I've changed my visualizations a bit, and I actually picture a little construction worker running around my body fixing things. My husband says I shouldn't share that with people. But, you know, I, I don't think there's an actual construction work. It's a visualization. Because you want to make it as real as possible, whether it's angels swooping in and carrying something away or ants taking something away to picnic or it's ice mm -hmm. melting, you know, whatever works for you. The war images don't work for a lot of people. Um, so I have right. a little construction worker. Looks kind of like the Super Mario Brothers guy, and he's got a toolbox and the boots mm -hmm. and a little hard hat, and he fixes things. And mm -hmm. I recently had a pretty bad trapeze accident, um, which actually sounds kind of ridiculous to say. I really hurt myself. Um, I completely ripped my foot to, to shreds. I needed stitches. I had a dislocated toe. It was it was all pretty bad. Um, and I do a lot of dancing, and I had a dance show. So I went to the Urgy Care while I was doing my mini meditations and trying to stay calm through this pretty painful procedure of getting my foot put back together. And I got up to leave, and I said, so what kind of aftercare am I looking at here, Doc? And he said, well, uh, you know, don't get it wet, and da-da-da-da. And I said, okay, well, when, you know, I'm, I'm going back to work tomorrow, right? And he goes, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I do medical massage and stuff, so I stand all day. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no standing. And I said, I'm sorry, what? And he goes, no, you, there's no standing. You can't stand on that. He said, you can't stand for 10 days. And I said, no, 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 no. Well, I said, I have, a dance, I have a dance show in 10 days. And he looks at me and he goes, no, you don't. Well, <laughs> don't tell me not to stand. Okay, so I actually went to work the next day. I did full-scale massage. I think there was one or two people that I, I saw for an hour instead of an hour and a half. 
But the first night I got I got home, I started visualizing. And the first night I sent my construction worker in to take away anything that shouldn't be there. There was a lot of inflammation. There was tissue that was, you know, dying. There was da-da-da-da. And he brought his little wheelbarrow, and he carried away the, the stuff that shouldn't be there. And the next night he assessed the situation to work on what needed to be fixed. And I pictured him stitching up that tissue and patching up holes and carrying stuff away. I mean, I had it going. My husband thought I was nuts. I'm actually at one point sitting there talking to my foot. And not only was I walking without a limp in four days, I did the dance show in 10. Wow. So uh, I did it, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. we all have we all have the ability to do that. And I share these stories not so everybody goes, oh, God, he's really cool, but so that we go, oh, my God, we're all so cool. We can all do this. Um, it takes practice, and you have to find what image works for you. And I don't know where I got this whole construction worker guy, but that works for me. And, you know, as silly as it sounds, it makes it real enough, and it gives me a visual of what that can look like when I'm trying to help my body heal. So find whatever visual works for you, but that's another way I activate my immune system to get, you know, to make sure the flu doesn't come. Or if Mm -hmm. I have a lot of clients who have colds or sore throats and I feel that tickle coming, I visualize, I do my affirmations. We can affect change in our bodies negatively and positively. Let's choose the positive one. We have the power to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's a... consciousness really that you do have the power yeah and sometimes you don't don't know know. right yeah it's um it's definitely a part of life that a lot of us don't think about and it isn't something that we we learn through the normal channels of uh, of the education system right especially from the time that you're young Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we do, and there's also such a huge um, secondary gain in this society for being sick. Um, You know, if you look at our reality shows, we're rewarding the people who are making the worst choices. You know, the TV show with the worst drug addiction gets the highest ratings. Um, If I hear one more thing about Lindsay Lohan, I don't care. The girl's messed up. Let Mm -hmm. her be messed up, and when she's healthy, she can come back. And they continue to get the press, and they continue to get the attention. Um, And that bugs me on some level because what it's communicating to everybody is, um, you know, the more screwed up you are, the more attention you're going to get. And we get that mm-hmm. even in our, our daily lives. You know, if we're standing at a party and we're talking in a group of people and, you know, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? <sighs> okay. Well, now, who suddenly gets all the attention? The person that's mm-hmm. having the big dramatic problem. And not to say we don't ever have problems, because we certainly do, and it's good to talk about those and get them out. Um, and and work through them and and find supportive people that can help you with that. But when it becomes your identity and you wear that like a name tag and that's how you relate to other people, then it starts to become really detrimental to our health. And I have clients that do that and I have family that that do that and I'm sure there have been times I've done that. And, you know, Carolyn Mace, who I'm a huge fan of, she's been a big influence on my work, um, calls that uh, woundology and that we lead with our wounds, and that's how we relate to other people. Hi, I'm so-and-so the alcoholic, or hi, I'm so-and-so, I was abused that time, or hi, my ex-husband's a jerk, or you know, whatever it is. Um, 
we tend to hold on to those things because we've made them an identity rather than an anecdote. And I think that gets a little dangerous. And oftentimes we don't even know we're doing it. It's become so embedded and so important to us um, that I think we have to be aware of those repetitive negative things we're focusing on and really make a choice to, to move through those and past those. I think that's one of the other keys to health. Well, you know, in our in our daily news that we we either listen to or watch on television, it's always the negative that gets sensationalized, and it's it's over and over and over again. It's repeated, yeah, you know, hour after hour after hour. So, you know, it takes us back to our earlier conversation on negativity. It, I believe, it takes at least three or four good things to wipe out one negative. Mm. They've done studies on that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of good things that have to happen to take away that one negative event. Right. Right. And and sometimes that and that yeah, that is that's not a good statistic <laughs> because because Mm-mm. also the one big thing tends to affect us so much more. And, you know, uh, being that I was an actor and all of us actors are completely neurotic, uh, any actor will agree, you know, we'll get off stage and we'll have 30 people tell us it was the best performance they've ever seen. And one person goes, I don't like that word you said that one line in act two. We're devastated. We ignore the 30 good comments and we focus on, oh, my God, I messed up that line. You know, why we do that, I don't know. There's some neurological reward, some chemical reward in our bodies um, mm. for that that thought process. We have to focus on the positive. And one of the things that was so amazing about this, this class I was at last week with the, the monks was we did a mindfulness lunch. Now, I tend to be crazy busy during the day. Yesterday I did six hours straight of massage with no break. Um, lunch, a casual calm lunch, nor- normally not on my schedule. Um, if anything, I get 15 minutes or a half an hour to shove whatever in my face I can find to give me enough energy to get me through the next couple of massages. Not a good practice, I know. I'm working on changing that. Um, but we did a mm-hmm. mindfulness lunch where we all ate in silence and we were supposed to be mindful and present with all of our senses of everything we were experiencing during that meal. And I have to tell you the first thing, 1,100 people eating in silence is really darn loud. You hear every rapper <laughs> and every crunch and every, <clears throat> and then it would just get a little bit quiet and you'd hear, which was someone opening their soda and everyone would giggle. And I mean, it was just, it was so fascinating to really, truly be present with your meal. And one of the mm-hmm. neatest things was that the monk that led us into this mindfulness meal, he, they're vegetarian. And all of them were sitting on stage with their bowl and their fork, and they had, from what I, I was pretty far back, from what I could tell, it was probably rice and a bunch of vegetables. And he picked up the broccoli, and he got this gleeful, just amazing grin on his face. And he said, think about this broccoli. I've never thought about broccoli in that way. He said, really think about it. Somebody it was planted this seed. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I know. He said, you know, he said somebody planted this seed and then watered it. And the minerals and the earth started to make it grow. And then it sprouted. And then it had a leaf. And you know, he was explaining this as if as if it was the coolest experience ever. And he was getting more and more gleeful and happy about this piece of broccoli. 
And he <laughs> said, everything we have is a gift of the universe. Mm-hmm. And as simplistic and kind of like, oh, that's weird, as, as that sounds, it was really so cool. Because I'm sitting in my house and I'm looking around this room and I'm thinking, okay, it's a futon, who cares? But somebody made that, and trees grew the wood that is the base, and someone sewed that fabric, and somebody put that zipper on, and now there's this piece of furniture in my house that I never think about. You know, do you do you thank your car unless it's broken down? We don't even think about how amazing these things are until something goes wrong. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. finding finding the joy in those everyday things, a child's laughter, your cat doing something silly, uh, you know, that is one of the ways to get those good things. We can generate those good things. Um, so if it takes three for every one bad thing, let's start generating more good. Think about that broccoli. And, and that has run through my head so many times. And again, as simplistic and, and kind of silly as it sounds, the man was ecstatic about broccoli. <laughs> and we can do that about anything, you know, and, and we can mm-hmm. take advantage of that. So let's talk about your book a little bit, Conquer Your Stress, Mind-Body Techniques. There's a chapter in here that um, fascinated me called Bio Dots. (laughs) Why don't you explain to our listeners what a bio dot is and what it does? That is so. I would say the majority of people that 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 love a certain or are fascinated by a certain chapter, it's the bio dots. I need to call that company and tell them how much press I'm giving them. Um, bio dots are so <laughs> cool. I learned about bio dots my first trip to Harvard. So this was three years ago, and we came back from a lunch break, and there was 125 mainly physicians. So at first, that was a little intimidating for me. I was probably one of the younger people there, and I was one of the few non-medical professionals in, in that you know, Western medicine tradition. But we came back mm-hmm. from, from lunch, and there's this little card, and it had these two little black dots. And they're about the size of peas, and they look like bindis you'd put on the middle of your forehead if you were you know, um, Indian. And mm-hmm. the woman explained to us, and she was incredible. She had this melodic, flowing, calm voice. She did a lot of guided meditation, so it was very, very (laughs) musical and slow, as opposed to me. Um, And she explained to us that these biodots were sensitive measures of temperature, and that we should put it on uh, our hand, on our non-dominant hand between the thumb and forefinger, so that anatomical snuff box that we hear about. And um, it starts out black, and it's basically a mood ring, kind of. And as we're more relaxed, our hands and our ears and our feet get slightly warmer. And if we're stressed, our hands, ears, and feet get slightly cooler. Not drastically, but there's a temperature change. And these Mm -hmm. were sensitive and would measure that change in temperature. And she said, you know, (laughs) your dot is not broken. Do not come up to her at the break and tell you tell her your dot is broken. If it's black, you're stressed, <laughs> which was very funny. She said it wasn't a competition, that we shouldn't pay attention to anybody else's dot, and we can't breathe on it or put it under our armpit to make a change. And It was all very funny, and you know, throughout the course of the day, I'm watching all of these physicians looking over at other people's dots to see, and you know, breathing on it, putting it under their arm, rubbing it. And um, The coolest thing about it, though, is – we were freezing. I mean, it was t- the typical conference where, you know, you could put on your mucklucks and your Nanook of the North sh- sweater and you're still freezing in this room. 
So if you're mm-hmm. cold, the the dot's going to stay black. It's not going to change. Um, so all of us are kind of disappointed that, you know, our dot didn't change. And I seriously almost went up to her and said it was broken. I'm sure she was messing with me on in some level. Um, but mm-hmm. after the class, um, I had – I can't go too many days without dancing or I start to freak out. So I found a hip-hop class in Boston, and I rushed back to the hotel, and I changed my clothes, and I hopped in the cab, and I rushed over to Cambridge. And I show up at this class, which was a little stressful. You know, it's like I've been working with the same instructor for five years, hadn't been to a different class. How's the teacher? Is it, can I keep up? Do, you know, will they like me? Blah, blah, blah. You know, all this, this drama. So I was stressed. My dot was black. I'm sure these people wondered why I had this weird thing on my hand, but um, – I get through class, and near the end, I see that my dot has finally started to change color. It went from this green to blue, was headed towards purple, and then when I looked again, it was totally black. And I thought, well, that's weird. Mm. Well, it can only go up so high, so it had gone black because it was so warm in the room. But I leave class, and I get in the taxi, and I feel that post-exercise euphoria that just that, oh, I just had a good workout, and I'm kind of coming down from that, and the chemicals and the endorphins, and and I look at my hand, and it's blue. Not the hand, the dot. Beautiful color blue. And I'm, like, gazing at my dot, I'm kind of going, oh, and I'm sure the taxi driver is like, what is wrong with this woman? You know, totally sweaty, (laughs) ripped up Harvard T-shirt, and I'm staring at my own hand going, oh. So I pay the guy to get out of the taxi, and I go up to the hotel room, and it's purple. It is this beautiful, brilliant, and for any of you that have played with mood rings, you know purple is like the best. It's just gorgeous. So I take a shower with my hand out of the curtain because I don't want my dot to come <laughs> off. So that was a challenge right there. So I, I get through dinner, and my dot is still purple, and I have a nice glass of wine, and my dot is still purple. And I get back to, up to my room, and it's now like 9 o'clock Boston time. I call my husband back here in California so I can say goodnight and kind of wrap up. And he said, how are you doing? How how was the day? And I said, my dot is purple. Okay, that means nothing to him. And he's like, oh, okay, good. But he's used to me saying things like that, so he kind of lets it go. And we start talking, and I tell him a little bit about the day. And he expresses concern about the new kitten, that he thinks the kitten is sick. Now, let me tell you about this cat. This thing has been photographed more than Angelina Jolie. This cat is my husband's child, okay? So the thought that this kitten was sick was putting him over the edge. And he's getting more and more agitated. And I said, honey, you know, I'm 3,000 miles away. It's also nighttime. So if you're truly concerned, you know, call the vet in the morning. I don't know what to do. And he doesn't look right. And he's not eating. Honey, I can't help you. I'm 3,000 miles away. Now, we weren't fighting. I wasn't agitated. But just being on the phone with him in that state, I was watching my dot. And it was starting to fade. It went from the purple to this blue to to this kind of pea green, and it was starting to head back to black. And I'm thinking, wow, I don't even feel stressed. But him being stressed was affecting my physiology. So I finally said, look, i got to go. You're turning my dot black. Now, again, he didn't know what that meant, but figured it was pretty serious, so he let me get off the phone. And I looked at my dot. It looked terrible. And I was so bummed because I was able to maintain that sense of relaxation throughout you know, the whole rest of my evening. And so I sat on the edge of the bed, and I did just five minutes of minis, the I am at peace. And I opened my eyes, and my dot was purple again. And that was so incredible to me because, for one thing, you know, we would think we all know when we're stressed. I didn't know. I didn't feel stressed, but being around him in an agitated state put me into a stress response. 
So it was incredible to me to see what little bit could mess with my constitution in that way, but also what little bit was able to get it back. So this has become a running joke with all of my friends who I've either given bio dots to or they've heard my lecture where I give out bio dots and I'll say, you know, on Facebook one day I posted, my dot is black. And half the people were like, oh, my God, are you okay? What's that mean? And the other half went, oh, I'm so sorry, do a mini. <laughs> you know, so it's become this sort of vernacular with my friends and I of that indicates what our mood is. Um, but they're so cool, and they're such a neat way to see what your stress response is like. So they're so much fun. Um, if you buy my book and leave me a review on Amazon, I'll send you some bio dots. <laughs> and you can buy them yourself, too, of course. Oops, did I lose you? Hello? Hello? Okay, we are back. Did I, lo- we did I lose you? I was talking and talking, and yeah. I didn't know if I was still there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you were still here. We just had a transmission issue. So um, our our listeners, if they put a review on Amazon and they purchase your book, you'll send them some bio dots. So how do they yes. um, get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the best thing to do is is all through my website, uh, which is thealternativemedicinecabinet.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. There's a lot of great free resources there, and all my books are there too. Um, and also, I mean, you can buy BioDots directly. Um, I think it's biodot.net maybe. Um, if you Google it, you can find them. But they're they're just so neat because it really is an amazing way to – monitor what your body's doing and you know, sometimes we don't know <laughs> we think we're calm and we look down and go oh i guess i'm stressed um so they're really fun and they're great for a ki- great illustration for kids too so yeah the alternative medicine cabinet.com is, is the best way to reach me okay that's great yeah. well listeners we're running out of time so i want to thank kathy for being on our show i think that we learned a lot today on how to manage stress, which is so so very important, and the visualization exercises she gave us uh, will be very very handy. And um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we close? No, I think that's it. Just you know, we have the power to make these changes in our lives, and I know sometimes it can be scary or overwhelming, but we truly do have these choices. And if you can make them slowly and incrementally, you're going to see a big change in your life. So I just encourage everybody to start taking those steps as small as they are to being healthier from the mind-body standpoint. You're going to see a big benefit. Thank you so much, listeners. You are please listen in again next Wednesday. And have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com. 
with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, I just wanted to um, remind you that the entire contents of this radio show, they're based upon the opinions of Denise Messenger and her guest. It's not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. It's intended as a sharing of knowledge and information. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions, research, and with a qualified healthcare professional, come up with your own choices. The statements also have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you. Bye-bye.